0: Volume 2, chapter 6 of The Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This sleepervox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 6. The reader is led into a secret and the young lady's plot proved to be of no avail. A judicious mode of obtaining information, a happy and very well-timed meeting. Well, Mary, i suppose you are wishing yourself joy on the success of your plottings and plannings said mrs peters to her daughter about ten days after this memorable walk on the bristol road for during that interval much had occurred that seemed to promise success to her wishes in fact frederick stephenson had quietly become a regular visitor at rodney place and the power of agnes to accept the constant invitations which brought her there likewise increased in exact proportion to the widow's growing delight in the tete-a-tete visits of the major the friendly hint of mr stephenson had produced no effect whatever excepting indeed that it tended greatly to increase the tone of friendly intercourse between the peters family and himself he had released agnes from the task of mentioning the matter at all and took an early opportunity of confiding to mrs peters his ideas on the subject She received the communication with the gratitude it really deserved, but confessed that Mrs. Barnaby was a person so every way disagreeable to her, that the task of attempting to guide her would be extremely repugnant to her feelings. But, Miss Willoughby, said Frederick, it is for her sake that one would wish to keep this odious woman from exposing herself to ruin and disgrace, if possible. And for her sake I will do it, answered Mrs. Peters. She is as deserving of all care as her aunt is unworthy of it this reply convinced mr stephenson that mrs peters was one of the most discerning as well as most amiable woman in the world but no other advantage arose from the praiseworthy determination of the dear margaret for when that lady said to her gravely at the very first opportunity she could find pray mrs barnaby do you know anything of that major allen's private character the answer she received was yes mrs peters a great deal and more probably than any other person whatever at clifton and i know too that there are agents paid hired agents employed in circulating the most atrocious lies against him i am not one of them i assure you madam said mrs peters abruptly leaving her seat and determined never again to recur to the subject a comfortable resolution to which she reconciled her conscience by remembering the evident devotion of mr stephenson to agnes the symptoms of which were daily becoming less and less equivocal It was within a few hours of this short colloquy with the widow that Mrs. Peters thus addressed her daughter, Well, Mary, I suppose you are wishing yourself joy on the success of your plottings and plannings. Why, yes, replied Mary, I think we are getting on pretty well, and unless I greatly mistake, it will be the fault of Agnes and of no one else if she suffers much more from being under the protection of our precious aunt Barnaby. Mrs. Peters and Mary were perfectly right in their premises, but utterly wrong in their conclusion mr stephenson was indeed passionately in love with agnes and had already fully made up his mind to propose to her so soon as their acquaintance had lasted long enough to render such a step decently permissible which according to his calculations would be in about a fortnight after he had first danced with her in short he was determined to find a favourable opportunity on the evening of mrs peter's promised music party to declare his passion to her for he had already learned to know that few occasions offer in the ordinary intercourse of society more favourable for a tete-a-tete than a crowded concert-room thus far therefore the observations and reasonings of agnes's watchful friends were perfectly correct but alas they saw only the surface of things there was an undercurrent running the other way of which they never dreamed and of which even had it been laid open to their view they would neither have been able to comprehend or believe the power as to the heart of agnes by some strange fatality they had never taken it into their consideration at all or at any rate had conceived it so beyond all doubt inclined the way they wished that no single word or thought amidst all their deliberations was ever bestowed upon it but the heart of agnes was fixedly devotedly and for ever given to another no wonder indeed that such an idea had never suggested itself to her friends for who could that other be could it be james her first partner her first walking companion and very nearly the first young man she had ever spoken to in her life assuredly not for had she been asked she could not have told whether his eyes were blue or black hardly whether he were short or tall and certainly not whether she had seen him twenty times or only twelve since their first meeting who then could it be there was but one other person whom the accidents of the last important fortnight had thrown constantly in her way and mrs peters and mary would as soon have thought that the young agnes had conceived a passion for the pope as for the stately proud reserved colonel hubert yet she could and if she would have told her how far above all other mortals his noble head rose proudly she could have told that on his lofty brow her soul read volumes she could have told that in the colour of his thoughtful eye the hue of heaven seemed deepened into black by the rich lash that shaded it all this she could have told and moreover could have counted with most faithful arithmetic not only how many times she had seen him but how many times his eyes had turned towards her how many times he had addressed a word to her how many smiles had been permitted to cheer her heart how many frowns had chilled her spirit as they passed over his countenance little could any one have guessed all this but so it was and frederick Stevenson, with all his wealth his comeliness and kind heart to boot had no more chance of being accepted as a husband by the poor dependent agnes willoughby than the lowest hind that ploughs the soil by the proudest lady that owns it meanwhile my real heroine the widow barnaby thought little of agnes or any other lady but herself and less still perhaps of mr stephenson or any other gentleman but the major the affair on the bristol road though injurious to her dress and rather dusty and in some degree disagreeable at the time had wonderfully forced on the tender intimacy between them yet mrs barnaby was not altogether so short-sighted as bystanders might suppose and though she freely permitted herself the pleasure of being made love to she determined to be very sure of the major's rent-roll before she bestowed herself and her fortune upon him for notwithstanding her flirting propensities the tender passion had ever been secondary in her heart to a passion for wealth and finery and not the best-behaved and most discreet dowager that ever lived was more firmly determined to take care of herself and make a good bargain if she ever married again than was our flighty flirting widow barnaby she was fully aware that many difficulties lay in the way of her getting the information she wanted in the first place she had no acquaintance except the peterses who were his declared enemies and she loved both justice and the major too well to let his happiness which was now avowedly dependent upon her accepting his hand rest on such doubtful testimony and secondly there was considerable caution required in the manner of asking questions so special as those she wished to propose lest they might reach the ears of her lover and it was necessary if the tender affair finally terminated in wedlock that it should be brought about without any appearance on her side of such sordid views lest a suspicion might arise on his that her own wealth was not quite so great as she wished him to believe respecting settlements she had already decided upon what she should propose she would make over the whole of her fortune unconditionally to him provided he would make her a settlement of one poor thousand a year for life in return some days passed away after the major had actually proposed and been conditionally accepted in case a few weeks longer acquaintance confirmed their affection before mrs barnaby had discovered any method by which she might satisfy her anxious curiosity respecting the actual state of major allen's affairs during this time she was willing to allow even to herself that her affections were very deeply engaged but yet she steadfastly adhered to her resolution of not bestowing upon him the blessing of her hand till she learned from some one besides himself that he was a man of large fortune at length when almost in despair of meeting with any one whom she could trust on such a subject it occurred to her that betty jacks who had not only continued to grow till she was nearly as tall as her mistress but had made such proficiency in the ways of the world since she left silverton as rendered her exceedingly acute might make acquaintance with major allen's groom and learned from him what was generally considered to be the amount of his master's income the idea had hardly struck her before she determined to put it in execution and having rung the bell betty after the usual interval that it took her to climb from the kitchen stood before her come in jerningham said mrs barnaby and shut the door i have something particular that i wish to say to you betty anticipated a scolding and looked sulky i am very well satisfied with you jerningham resumed the lady and i called you up chiefly to say that you may have the cap with the pink ribbons that i put off yesterday morning thank you ma'am said betty turning to go stay a moment jerningham i have something i want to talk to you about betty advanced and took hold of the back of the chair to support her lengthy person a habit which she had fallen into from the frequent long confidential communications her lady was accustomed to hold with her pray jerningham do you know major allen's groom inquired mrs barnaby in a gentle voice lor no ma'am how should i come for to know his groom nay my good girl there would be no harm in it if you did i have remarked that he is a particularly smart respectable-looking servant and i must say i think it would be quite as well if such a good-looking girl as you did make acquaintance with the servant of a gentleman like major allen it would give you a proper protector and companion jerningham in a sunday evening walk or anything of that kind and really it looks as if he did not think you worth noticing considering how intimate the two families are become oh for that ma'am i don't believe the young man would have any objection and i don't mean to say as how i never spoke to him replied betty very well jerningham that is just what i wanted to know because if you are sufficiently acquainted to speak such a sharp clever girl as you are would find it easy enough to improve the intimacy and that's what i want you to do jerningham and then i want you some fine evening perhaps after i've had my tea to let him take a walk with you and when you are talking of one thing and the other i want you to find out whether his master is reckoned a rich gentleman or a poor one do you understand jerningham betty jack's black eyes kindled into very keen intelligence at this question and she answered with very satisfactory vivacity yes ma'am i understands well then set about it as soon as you can and remember jerningham if he asks any questions about me that you make him understand my fortune is a great deal larger than it appears to be which it really is you know only just now i am travelling quietly by way of a change if you do all this cleverly and well i will give you my old parasol which only wants a stitch or two to make it quite fit to use thank you, ma'am i could find him in a minute at the beer-shop if you like it well then do so my good girl and you may say if you will that you could take a walk with him this evening the arrangement was probably made without great difficulty for on the following morning betty was ready with her report any detailed account of the interview between the major's man and the widow's woman would be unnecessary as the girl's account of it was what principally affected the interests of our widow and that shall be faithfully given betty jacks made her appearance in the drawing-room as soon as agnes had left it after breakfast with that look of smirking confidence which usually enlivens the countenance of a soubrette when she knows she has something to say worth listening to her anxious mistress instantly saw that the commission had not been in vain well jerningham she cried with a deep respiration that was more like panting than sighing what news do you bring me all that is best and honourablest for the major ma'am his man william says that he is a noble gentleman every way with plenty of money to spend and plenty of spirit to spend it with and that happy will the lady be who wins his heart and comes to the glory and honour of being his wife that is enough jerningham said the happy mrs barnaby you seem to have behaved extremely well and with a great deal of cleverness and as i see i may trust to your good sense and prudent behaviour i will give you leave to go to the play at bristol and will give you a gallery ticket any evening that the major's worthy and faithful servant may like to take you indeed i should not mind giving him a gallery ticket too and so you may tell him betty jacks turned her head to look out of the window and a furtive sort of smile kindled in her eye for a moment but she thanked her mistress for her kindness and then made her exit with great decorum it was just two days after this that mrs barnaby yielded to major allen's request that she would taste the air of a delicious morning by taking a little turn with him in the mall twice had they enjoyed the sunny length of the pavement indulging in that sort of tender conversation which their now fully avowed mutual attachment rendered natural when in making their third progress they were met by a gentleman somewhat younger than the major but with much his style of dress and whiskered fashion who the instant he saw major allen uttered a cry of joy ran towards him and caught his hand which he not only shook affectionately but even pressed to his heart with an air of the most touching friendship my dearest Maintree, exclaimed the major what an unexpected pleasure is this when did you reach england what brings you here then suddenly recollecting himself he turned to mrs barnaby and entreated her forgiveness for the liberty he had taken in thus stopping her but i well know he added that your generous heart will find an excuse for me in its own warm feelings when i tell you that captain Maintree is the oldest friend i have in the world the oldest and the dearest we have served together mrs barnaby we have fought side by side through many a well-contested field and since universal peace has sheathed our swords we have shared each other's hospitality hunted on each other's grounds studied nature and mankind together and in a word have lived and loved as brothers and yet we have now been parted for two years a large property has devolved to him from his mother's family in westphalia and the necessity of attending to his farms and his seignioral privileges has separated him thus long from his friend you will forgive me then my beloved martha Maintry. from thee i can hide nothing you have told me a thousand times that i should never be brought to resign my freedom to mortal woman look here and tell me if you can wonder that such vaunting independence can attach to me no longer nothing could be more kind than mrs barnaby's reply to this nothing more gracious than captain maintry's flattering answer and the next minute they were all walking on together as if already united by the tenderest ties many interesting questions and answers passed between the two gentlemen concerning absent friends of high rank and great distinction as well as some good-natured friendly questions on the part of captain maintry relative to many of the major's principal tenants in yorkshire as honourable to the kind feelings of the inquirer as to the good conduct and respectability of the worthy individuals inquired for after all this had lasted most agreeably for some time captain maintry suddenly paused and said to his friend my dear allen the pleasure of seeing you and the unexpected introduction to this honoured lady have together turned my brain i believe or i should have told you at once that i have brought letters from prince Hurstenberg for you which require an immediate answer i never heard one man speak of another as he does of you allen he declares you are the most noble character he ever met with in any country and that is no light thing for such a man as the prince to say his letter is to ask whether you can spare him a hunting mare of your own breeding and three couple of those famous pointers for which your principal estate is so celebrated he made me promise that i would see that you sent off an answer by the first post for if you cannot oblige him in this he must apply elsewhere you know his passion for la chasse and he must not be disappointed come my dear fellow tear yourself away from this attractive lady for one short hour and then the business will be done certainly not till i have seen mrs barnaby safely home replied the major gravely then you will be too late for the post we have told mrs barnaby that we are brothers Let her see you treat me as such trust her to my care i will escort her to her own home while you go for an hour or so to yours i have left the packet with your faithful william by the by, i am glad to see that you still retain that capital good fellow about you an honest servant is worth his weight in gold mrs barnaby there allan you see i am in possession of the lady's arm so you may be off and i will join you as soon as i have escorted her to her quarters most cordially do i congratulate my friend madam said captain maintry as soon as major allen had taken his leave on the happy prospects that have opened before him to see you and not appreciate his felicity is impossible friendship may conquer envy but it cannot render us blind nor is it major allen alone whom i must congratulate permit me to indulge my feelings towards that long-tried and dear valued friend by telling you mrs barnaby that you are a very happy woman indeed such worth such honour as rarely alas too rarely met with in man and then he has such a multitude of minor good qualities as i may call them such an absence of all ostentation nobody would believe from his manner of living that he possessed one of the finest estates in yorkshire yet such is the fact his courage too is transcendently great and his temper the sweetest in the world yet this man mrs barnaby great and good as he is has not been able to escape enemies you have no idea of the lies that have been put in circulation concerning him by those who envy his reputation and hate his noble qualities i know it captain Maintry, but too well replied mrs barnaby but a woman who could be influenced by such idle and malevolent reports would be unworthy to become his wife and for myself i can assure you that far from its producing the desired effect upon me such malignity only binds me to him more closely there spoke a heart worthy of him fervently exclaimed the captain and i doubt not my dearest madam that these generous feelings will be put to the proof for i blush for my species as i say it there are many who when they hear of his approaching happiness will put every sort of wickedness in action to prevent it this conversation with a few little amiable sentiments in addition from both parties brought them to the door of the widow's home when captain Maintry resisted her invitation to enter upon the plea that he must devote every moment he could command to his friend as unhappily he was obliged to return to bath on business of the greatest importance with as little delay as possible after this it was quite in vain that even the amiable soft-hearted elizabeth who had grown exceedingly ashamed by the bye of her speaking acquaintance with major allen it was in vain that even she ventured to hint that she believed Major Allen was no longer invited anywhere. mrs Barnaby knew all about it, on better authority than any one else, and she quietly made up her mind to leave Clifton, and proceed to Cheltenham as speedily as possible, in order that her marriage, within seven months of her husband's death, might not take place under the immediate observation of his nearest relations. End of chapter six.